I hold it true, whate'er befall, I feel it when I sorrow most. Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. When I was in fourth grade, I had a massive crush on a boy named Jimmy Stokes. He wore button-down plaid shirts every day. He was so cool. We were seated alphabetically, and since my name was Smith, well, you get where I'm going with this. It was meant to be. I even thought that it might mean that we were going to be married because I wouldn't have to change my initials. Janice Smith, Jimmy Stokes, it all worked out perfectly. And the most peculiar thing about that was that Jimmy Stokes seemed to like me back. In those days in the fourth grade, even thinking about liking somebody meant you had a relationship with them. So in essence, we were going together, whether he knew it or not. When our relationship had run its course, and in fourth grade, that's about a week and a half, we broke up. I don't know if he knew that either. And the pain of the first lost love was so painful. And if you had asked my fourth grade broken-hearted self, if the words of Tennyson were true, tis better to have loved and lost, I would have sobbed in your arms and said, no, no, I'll never love again. In the parable of the entrusted servants, Jesus doesn't agree with my fourth grade self. In fact, he, he rather provides a strong resonance with the idea of the poet, probably was the inspiration to the poet. Tis better, he says. In Matthew 25, 13 through 30, this is what we hear. Stay alert. You have no idea when he, Jesus, might arrive. It's also like a man going off on an extended trip. He called his servants together and delegated responsibilities. To one he gave $5,000, to another 2000 to a third 1000 depending on their abilities. Then he left. Right off, the first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment. The second did the same, but the man with the single thousand dug a hole and carefully buried it, buried his master's money. After a long absence, the master of those three servants came back and settled up with them. The one given $5,000 showed him how he had doubled his investment. His master commended him, good work, you did your job well from now on. You be my partner. The servant with the 2,000 showed how he, had, he also had doubled his master's investment. His master commended him, Good work. You did your job well. From now on, you be partner with me. The servant given 1,000 said, Master, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways, that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you. So I found a good hiding place and I secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. And the master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? 
The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers, where at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most, and get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into utter darkness. This is the word of the Lord. Things were heating up for Jesus, and everybody knew it. The threat of Jesus to the religious leaders and their benefactors, who happened to be the Romans, it, it, it wasn't just theological. It was also economical, and it was political. He taught that every person was loved by God. Every person. And that everyone should be cared for. And he also taught that the poor were just as important as, important as the rich. Those ideas didn't go over any better in 30 AD than they're going over today. As Jesus' popularity grew, so did his threat to the established status quo. Now, here's something that I want you to know, a little theological fact. I don't believe Jesus knew what was going to happen in the future. Maybe you've never thought about that. I believe that when he emptied himself to walk among us and with us, he became one of us. No divine tricks up his sleeve. No shortcuts to the human experience. But Jesus was smart, and he certainly knew the risks of stirring up the authorities. He knew what that meant. He knew he had been making trouble with those who were in charge. And he was certainly aware that what he was doing was a matter of life and death, no matter which side you were on. Jesus tells this story in the middle of his own personal high-risk situation. It was during the last few days of his life that he brings this parable and several other parables like it into being. Earlier, he had made the decision to leave the safety of rural Galilee and go to Jerusalem, the capital city. Jerusalem was the place where the threat to Jesus was the hottest. It was the highest threat. And he had made the decision to go there. He knew it, and his disciples knew it, and they begged him in the scriptures not to go. Don't go. Look what could happen if we go. But love demands risk. What would have happened if Jesus didn't go for you and for me? Yeah, love is a risky business. It really is. Any of you who have been hurt by love, like me with Jimmy Stokes, you know that it's risky business to put your heart out there. Marriage, parenting, friendship, faith, they're all risks. They demand vulnerability and tenderness. They demand trust and commitment and selflessness. And sometimes... It doesn't work out. Sometimes no matter how much you love, no matter how much you hope, no matter how much you work, no matter how much you give, it just doesn't work. You're still nailed to the cross. So yes, love is risky. There's no doubt about it. But according to this parable, Jesus didn't think that the greatest risk was to love. 
According to this parable that we just read, Jesus believed that the greatest risk of all was to risk nothing. To never risk anything, not to care deeply and profoundly enough about anything that you would give yourself wholeheartedly, without question, totally away. Sell everything, everything, and follow me, Jesus says to somebody else in the scripture who asks, what do I have to do to have it all? And Jesus says, sell it all and follow me. And he couldn't do it. It was risky. The greatest risk of all, it turns out, is to play it safe, to live cautiously and always prudently. Prudently means taking everything to account, analyzing, shifting. What's the best gain? What's the best, what's the worst loss? How do I live in a in the center part so that I don't risk anything? There's no sacrifice involved. And Jesus says that's a terrible way to live when it comes to living for me. One of the most ancient of what is known as the seven deadly sins of the church is sloth. And most people think that sloth means lazy. It doesn't. It means not caring. It means not loving. It means not rejoicing. It means not living up to the full potential of being a human being. It means playing it safe. It means investing in nothing and being cautious and prudent all the time. What sloth means is digging a hole in your backyard and burying that money. Jesus' warning is what makes this so personally important to us to understand. His warning of what actually happens, not the punishment that people will reap, but what happens to us on the inside and on the outside when we don't understand this. And in terms of how we live our lives, when when we play our lives cautiously, investing in nothing, holding back, playing it safe, not caring, not loving passionately, not risking anything, Well, Jesus says it's something like death. It's like being banished to an outer darkness where you're shut down. I watched a movie yesterday called Forgiven. It's a story of uh, Desmond Tutu and uh, this man that was in prison that was one of the the top people who uh, headed up the death squads. And he, this man was bitter and hate-filled until the very end. But in the very end, after Desmond Tutu visited him over and over again and, and withstood what he had to say to him, this man had made a recording implicating all of these people and started that whole process of restoration and reconciliation with the truth before he was uh, killed himself in prison for telling the truth. And there was this one moment when Desmond Tutu says to him, come out, come out of the darkness, come out of the prison. And that's what Jesus is saying by living a life where we can't invest wholeheartedly in Jesus, where we can't invest wholeheartedly in a sure bet, which is the, in the creator that made us 
then we are living in the darkness, cast out. Now, for most of us, religion, our personal faith, has not seemed like a high-risk adventure. For most of us Americans in the 21st century, in fact, it seemed to be something more of the opposite. It's been more of a personal comfort zone. How many times have you said or heard somebody else say, I just don't know how they made it without their faith. I just don't know how they could do it without having a faith. As though faith was that which protects you from all things. Faith, we think, is no more risky than personal security and here and the hereafter. Faith is no more risky than believing ideas in our head about God and Jesus. A list of beliefs to which we more or less subscribe intellectually. I believe that. I believe that to be true. Sure. It sounds to me like that would be helpful. And it's something helpful to tell other people around me. Faith, we think, because that's what we're taught, is getting our personal theology right and then living a good life, avoiding bad things. Religion, we think, is pretty timid and it's not risky business. And I wonder if those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, if that is the faith, that timid faith is the faith of Jesus. Is it? What you know of Jesus and what you've seen of Jesus, is Jesus not a risk taker? Is Jesus a risk taker? Yes. I'm glad you said that. Jesus who put everything before himself, everything, who laid it on the line, who went to Jerusalem, when he could have stayed in Galilee, who spoke when he could have been silent, who did not defend himself when he could have had such a justification, who he said he could have called down the angels at some point, as anybody can call on the forces of God for that protection. Jesus who stayed silent on our behalf, Jesus who took every chance for the sake of the gospel, yes, the gospel, the good news that he had come, Jesus who risked it all, this is the Jesus that we follow. This is the risk taker. This is the one we're being challenged and asked to follow in our own faith. Not, not a timid faith. We're said, you want to follow me? Get rid of it all. Get rid of it all and follow me. Now, am I talking about your personal finances? That's up to you. Am I talking about the demons that hound you at night? That's up to you. Am I talking about all the things that create a barrier for you between God? That's up to you. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to tell you the truth. And I'm not saying it's easy. Risking everything is not easy. But I am here to tell you. I bear witness to the truth. That is worth it. It's worth it to risk everything because in our own risk, when we risk everything, honestly, 
We risk nothing. We risk nothing except the illusion of the life that we have. We risk that for a truth, for a true living. Here, Jesus invites us to be his disciples. We're invited to live our lives as fully as possible by investing them, by risking them, by expanding the horizons of our responsibilities. To be his man or woman, he says, is not so much believing ideas about him. It's about following him. So you see, when you have a different idea about Jesus than your neighbor, and when we have different ideas about Jesus than the next church over, whether they're conservative or whether they're liberal, whether they are narrow or whether they're white, it doesn't matter. What matters is, do we follow him? We can all have different ideas about Jesus, but do we follow him? And there's no mistaking how to follow him because it's laid out in scripture for us. It's to be bold and brave. It's to reach high and to care deeply. It's to give of yourself when you're afraid, when you've been hurt, when you've been wounded. It's to step out with courage. It's, in another poet's language, to love like you've never been hurt. That sounds cliche, but man, when you think about that. Seems impossible, but there it is. Now, before we leave this parable, I think it's important that we understand that this is not a parable about a reward for a guy, the guys who get it right and a punishment for the guy who gets it wrong. That's not what this parable is about. You might notice that there is really no bad guy in this parable, is there? There's no bad guy. There's a clueless guy. There's a fearful guy. There, there's a guy that is, is so afraid of losing everything that he, that he buries it in the backyard. Yes, there is that person, but there's no bad guy. And the two investors in the story, I want you to understand what their reward was. They didn't come away with higher salaries or gold watches or a plaque or a big commission for what they had done. They got two things, two things they got. One, they got more responsibility. The reward of taking the risk and managing the investment was the burden of greater risk and the challenge of larger investments. That's what they got. He took the 1,000 from that guy and gave it to the other guy. What do you think he expected from that guy? Did he expect that guy to now, oh, I have 3,000, I have 6,000 now. That's good enough. No, he said, here's more. I've seen what you can do. Now go do it. Larger investment. And secondly, they were given the joy of the master's presence. You did your job well. From now on, let's be partners. So they got to be partners with Christ in this magnificent enterprise that we call life. So what about the others? What about the clueless and the lazy and the skeptics and the cynics and the broken and the damaged? Where's Jesus for them? Where's Jesus for all of us? Well, Jesus is where you would expect him to be. He's with the one who's thrown outside in the darkness. After all, that's where he dies. Outside the city. 
in the dark and darkness covers the whole land. Tis better, the poet laments, to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all. Be partners with me, says Jesus. Be partners with me. Amen.